Jump and bow down. If you want to pray with me right quick. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us and uh, the ability to come here and worship you and um, just get to enjoy your presence, Lord. Um, I want to lift up a couple things. Um, and Lord, all the mission work that we do here and abroad and uh, the Pregnancy Help Center and all the great many blessings that that gives to people and um, just um, and just all the great mission work that, you know, we do here in the States, whether it's here in Texas or abroad through all the different countries. Um, I lo Lord, I want to lift up the caring and sharing and all the, all the people on there that are struggling. Um, be with the doctors and physicians and um, all the medical staffs as they care for these people and give them the best possible lives they can. And I also want to lift up the uh, country of Australia during this time and all the wildfires that are going on. Be with the firefighters and all the responders and um, help them you know, give people safe and secure um, and all that good stuff. Lord, um, I ask that you be with the West Freeway Church of Christ in Fort Worth um, and all the, the tragedy that just struck their church. Um, I ask that you be with the families and um, help them um, recover and be stronger than ever. Um, Lord, uh, I just lift up today. I lift up you and all the many blessings that you give to us. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. Tell me the story of Jesus, right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest ever
sometimes I think we let ourselves in too deep. Uh, yesterday I told Lisa I've got a little project. We had a faucet that was dripping <clears throat> and I did some research, YouTube videos and that sort of thing. I was like, oh, all I have to do is change the spout and it'll be done. And that was about one o'clock. At about 1.30 last night I gave up. Um, and it's still not fixed. Um, so I appreciate Ronnie who's coming over this afternoon so we can have water. But I think that's the way life goes for many of us. We're told not to sin. And uh, this just one little white lie won't hurt. Oh, and I'll, I'll just do this. It's not going to hurt anybody. Oh, nobody's going to know if I do this. And these little projects, sin, ends up being something much greater than we can handle. And so we set our mind to it. It's like that little drip of the leaky faucet. And <laughs> when I put it back together to go back to the store to get something else that I needed for it, it wasn't just a drip. It was a flow. Um, and our sin ends up being like that. We try to fix it ourselves, and what we do isn't good enough. And so the laws came in. God gave the Mosaic law, and it was not good enough. The sacrifices of all the animals was not good enough. We needed a savior to put things right. Romans chapter 5. Consequently, as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteousness, one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as though through the disobedience <coughs> excuse me, of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the disobedience, sorry, through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass may increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin re reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We celebrate these emblems the body being represented by the blood, sorry, the body being represented by the bread, and the blood being represented by the fruit of the, fruit of the vine. Can't get my words out today. It was the late night. We remember these things because he was the one sacrifice for all. All the things that we've tried to do, tried to make right, was never enough. But we remember because this was enough. Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for your son Jesus, allowing him to come as that baby laying in the manger in that dark night allowing him to grow up and as he was learning to walk and run, may scrape his knees and 
Father, we, we thank you for the, the experiences that he had similar to ours. But Father, I want to most of all thank you for the life that he led that led to the death that he led by. <coughs> Father, we, we remember because not only did he die, but he rose again, and that gives us the hope of eternal life. And Father, we, we, we live for that hope of a life with you. We fall short and we stumble and we, we sin. But you have made our relationship with you right through your son, Jesus. And we thank you, thank you, thank you. As we take this bread, let us remember the body that was broken. Help us try to picture what that day may have been like for you and for your son, Jesus. These things we pray in his name. Amen. Jesus, keep me near the cross. Will you pray with me again? Father, as we continue to remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, as we partake of this cup, as we taste the, the bitterness, we just know it's another part of the bitter taste of our sin in your mouth. Forgive us, Father, of our sins. Help us try to stay the straight and narrow path. We thank you for this one big act to overdo and overcome our many big and little sins for making us right with you. And it's in Jesus' name.
cross, O Lamb of God, bring it seen before me. Help me walk from day to day with this shadows o'er me. In the cross, going to make this part hasty. Um, Zoe's already trying to give kids gifts, so uh, I want to encourage y'all to um, think about all the blessings that you've been given this week, this year already, um, and give back to the Lord uh, accordingly. Will you pray with me? Father God, I want to thank you for all the gifts you've blessed us with. I want to thank you for the, the love that you've uh, given us. Uh, you've given us so much more than we ever deserve. Uh, so Father, we ask that you take these gifts that we're going to give back to you. Uh, use it and multiply it and just uh, do with it as you see fit. We love you and we thank you for loving us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I have never audibly mourned that I couldn't give fast enough. So, Zoe, thank you for leading the way for us. Um, first Sunday in January uh, starts a significant part of the life of this church. Many of you would be aware of this already because you've been here long enough and you've, you've listened and you've heard and you've participated and you're aware. Uh, there are some who maybe don't remember, not that you haven't participated, but just don't remember. And so... Uh, my job today is to remind you. Um, for uh, the last, at least since 2013, I believe prior to that, probably one year, 2012, this church has participated in a process uh, that's a little bit different than what you may find at, at many churches for determining the budget for the, the year. Um, we take the months of January, February, and March, the, the contributions that come in for those weeks, and basically... You, as the congregation, you as the participants, tell us what the amount of giving for the year will be based on the giving January through March. Uh, there are two things that go on in these three months, and, and I really appreciate, again, I, I know I've been at churches where 
uh, you spend the end of the year in, in great turmoil and concern because you're trying to figure out what the budget is and trying to guess what the giving is going to be in various ways and things like that. I'm really thankful that, first of all, we've shifted that to the first of the year. We let all of that get out of the way, new beginnings, new time, and I think for the most part our attention is a little bit better at this time of the year. Already, uh, ministry leaders and deacons and various folks that do the spending of the money have begun preparing what they anticipate for 2020 they're going to spend. You, beginning this Sunday, quite literally beginning just the moment that you put your check in or maybe you uh, electronically donated whatever processes you use, those will begin being added up. As February comes, the initial meetings of the ministry leaders and the deacons to show these are the things we want to do. As the sign says, our ministry potential, this is what we're reaching for. Your giving will continue to inform those efforts by ministry leaders of where we want to go and what we want to do such that by the end of March those two things will come together in what for the most part is an exact match. That is to say our ministry leaders will never and our elders will not approve a budget that has not been by this process of tracking your giving for three months will exceed what you have told us you will give. Last year was kind of an interesting situation. You scared them. I love it when you scare church leaders. It's a great thing. <laughs> church leaders don't agree with that completely. <laughs> um, you, you gave in a way that was extraordinary. During those months, you gave in a way that they said, Oh, no, no, we can't keep up with that. And what we did is we came up with a plan that said, If the giving actually comes to that level the amounts over what was budgeted at the end of each quarter will be put directly to reducing the loan on this property. Kevin, round numbers right now, two per, per quarter. No, what, uh, what, was, what, what is what we owe on this facility at this time? Two hundred and some thousand dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Frank, am I close to right? Huh? Close enough, all right hate it when the preacher gets up. I just scared leadership. That was what acted. <laughs> and at this point, I think what Kevin is reporting to me, at the end of the last quarter, we are, we are, we're looking at being able to make an $11,000 payment towards for the year. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Which means that you challenged the leadership that you were going to give at a higher level than they anticipated, and guess what you did? You did it. Somebody turn to the person to the left or right of you and say, you did it. No, that wasn't enthusiastic enough. The way Zoe mourned needs to be the way that you say, you did it. Okay, so one more try. There we go. There we go. I love it. Okay. So the challenge to you is to pray. The challenge to you may be the biblical pattern of preparing to make a decision is to fast. And while we don't call for a general fast, I encourage you to do a personal fast. Maybe just a day, not even 24 hours, just the waking hours. But to prepare yourself to what you and your family want to give. Because you are the ones that the Holy Spirit is going to use, is going to inspire, is going to direct and prompt to set the phrase, ministry potential. 
That's all a budget is. Is a budget is a ministry potential. And we're looking to you. Actually, you know what? We're not looking to you. We're looking to God. And we're asking God to speak through you. So jump on board. You've got three months. You've got a full quarter to tell us what that giving is going to be. Please help us in that process. We appreciate it very much. We do ask that you not use this as a way to cheat and throw all your contribution for the whole year in the first quarter because we expect you to continue that giving for the next uh, nine months to follow after that. But this is a joyful time because we get to see how God's going to speak to us in all kinds of wonderful and different ways. Thank you very much for your giving in 2019. And I want to thank you in advance because... um, I can say this, I I believe this to be completely factual. Since we began this process, there's only been one year that we haven't exceeded the budgetary giving for the year. And that year, it was only by very, very few dollars per week is what it turned out to be. Thank you for being a faithful people of God. Please hear me say that. Thank you for being a faithful people of God. So it's the 12th day of Christmas. We have one more message and joy to the world. And uh, so I ask you to sing along with Randy and listen to the scripture reading that Manuel will bring us in just a moment. You're leading joy to the world. I'm <laughs> leading this. <laughs> Let's all stand. We can't go till on the mountain sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> go tell it on the mountain. reading from uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 25 through 32 and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ so he came by the Spirit into the temple 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him upon his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Join me in Luke chapter 2, just before the passage that Manuel read. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, meaning Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Jesus is in the process, Mary and Joseph, excuse me, are in the process of fulfilling, in many ways, prophecy. They named him Jesus, which, as you know, as soon as the person said it, and then the tradition would be that the baby would be handed to the rabbi that was going to do the circumcision, he would ask what the name was. And again, what would be expected would be a family name. The, the scene is played out better in the John the Baptist scene, where, where they call him John, and they, they give acceptance. Go, wait, 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 it can't be John, that's not a family name. He said, no, 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 that's the name the angel gave him. And so now Jesus... As they hand the baby to the rabbi for him to be circumcised, they, and he asks, what will his name be? And as much as they said with their mouths, Yeshua, what they meant and what they heard and what was said was from that moment, in fact, from eight days prior to that, and for all the planning that God had done leading up to this moment in history, God saves Say that out loud because it rings in your ears. God saves. And now, now just add this one word. God saves me. God saves me in the person of Jesus. They fulfill the prophecy, but they also are very powerfully fulfilling the law. Mary, as a pregnant woman having given birth, had a time of purification. Probably some of God's intent in that was to keep her away from people, keep the baby away from people for a while to let her heal and to get back on her feet. But when that time was ended, they headed and, and they, they were there, just, just half a day's walk from Bethlehem down into the valley and up the hill, up into Jerusalem to go to the temple to make sacrifices for their firstborn child. As Roger pointed out to me earlier this morning, they went to redeem him. That's the word. They went to redeem Jesus. And in the same way, they will, Luke will tell the story of Jesus coming to John to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is fulfilling everything that Jesus wanted to ha that God wanted to happen. It wasn't Jesus making the decisions at this point. It's Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph fulfilling what God wanted, doing everything in their power 
to step into the righteousness that God had called them to. Little did they know how that redemption would ultimately be accomplished. But in reality, Luke describes this scene and it's interrupted. My guess is it's actually before they offer the sacrifices. It's interrupted by someone that we don't tell about in the nativity stories. When we, when we put together our Fontanini, we don't have a Simeon and an Anna. But Simeon, as, as Manuel read about, comes up and in a very powerful way takes the child, and I love the phrase, takes him into his arm, and he begins to sing. I don't know what it would be like. Simeon is old enough that he has been waiting for this moment. And I don't know how he knew exactly that that moment and that child, except that the Holy Spirit had told him that moment and that child is going to be the redemption. He's going he's to ask, what's his name? And they're going to say, Yeshua. And he's going, oh, of course he's Yeshua because he's going to save us. I've been waiting for this. And I don't know what his, let's, let's just take a guess, round number, 80-year-old voice sounded like. But my guess is that day it had no bearing on his physical limitations because the Spirit filled him. Did you hear his song? Let me now depart in peace, for I've seen it. I've seen your salvation, this one that they call Yeshua, God saves, Jesus. And he's a light to everyone. And, and this is someone standing in the temple, a traditional Jewish person, standing in the temple saying, this is the light for the Gentiles. And he will be the ultimate glory of his people, Israel. A very ominous foreshadowing of how different Jesus' return trip 30 years later to Jerusalem will be. Remembers Luke's description? Daniel read it, but you may not have caught it. Sometimes we, we fly by the words so fast. The parents bring him, and, and I don't know, maybe you're not one of those parents. Maybe you're one of those parents that kind of holds the baby out like this. I don't see many like that. Even if you have them in the carrier, the carrier's not held out here. Not just because you can't carry him out there, but you hold the carrier close. You hold that baby close. And Mary comes walking into the temple area, and I don't know how the scene went exactly. I don't know if Simeon came up and hip-checked her and grabbed the baby at the same time. I don't know if he said, may I? I don't, it's not told to us, but it is Simeon taking. Text doesn't actually say that Mary offered. Simeon takes the baby in his arms. I got confirmation this morning that not every mother would be all that thrilled with the fact that this somebody, stranger, by the way, they don't know who this is. But just for a minute, realize that everything about this process has been strange for Mary and Joseph. The predictions, the leaping of, the, of John in, in Elizabeth's womb, Mary giving birth to a child in a, in a stable and having to place him in a manger. Shepherds arriving, looking for a baby in a manger. And now this. And what we can't deny is that whatever per perspective Mary had on being a first-time mother, whatever perspective she had on what she was carrying, on the real meaning of what the angel said, this baby is not from Joseph, your husband. This baby is from the Holy Spirit. And this baby is coming to save his people. They called him Yeshua. Whatever motivated her, she seems ready to share him. Sharing Jesus. 
Sharing is what she's done from the very beginning. We're not told. Somebody in Bible class this morning asked a great question. I love the question. Did the shepherds ask to hold the baby? The answer was yes, if you wash your hands first. But whatever the process was, she was ready to, to let him be held by Simeon. I don't know if Anna took him in her arms or not. We're not told. Anna's it appears possibly even older than Simeon is, and, and she may not have felt herself stable enough to do that. You can imagine that fear. I remember the fear that some of you had when I, when I brought my firstborn grandchild up here and held her in my hand, and you thought she was just going to fall out of my hands because I was kind of holding her. I wasn't, didn't have her all cuddled up close. Can you imagine an 80-year-old man picking your child up and holding him up in the air and then starting to sing? And there is no objection that's recorded by Mary. In fact, what the text says is they just take it all in. They don't object. They don't fight. They don't anything. They just take it all in. They're amazed by everything that goes on. But, again, Simeon's not the only person. Let's continue reading in Luke chapter 2. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, I love this. What does the Holy Spirit do? He kind of ranges things in a way we don't always anticipate. You've had this happen in your life. Whether you've said Holy Spirit or not, you've said, Wow, how did it happen that way? Wow. She comes up at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption, to the redemption of Jerusalem. Can you, can you hear? I found Yeshua. I found Yeshua. And they're, yes, yes, God is going to save. I know Messiah is coming. No, 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 no. There's a baby, and his name is Yeshua. And I saw him today. He's coming. He's not just coming. He's here. He's come. And I have a feeling they reacted almost exactly the same way that you and I would some to, to some kind of message. Yeah, sure, old lady. Because 30 years later, they're not waiting for Messiah to come. Luke is doing something here, a balancing act that he does throughout the entire gospel. If a, if a man does something in response to God, there's almost always a woman who does something in response to God. Kind of like Annie Oakley, the song from Annie Oakley, anything you can do, I can do better. I would note it, show you that Simeon sings a song, Anna goes and preaches. Anna goes and tells everyone that she can find what she's heard about. Anything you can do, I can do better. But note that both of them. Their reaction is praise. Their reaction is blessing. Their reaction is thanksgiving. And we can't help but see it. Their reaction is joy at what God was doing. Yeshua has come. God is coming to save us. Things are changing. And as Simeon said, not just for us, but for everyone. So it's not just the process of sharing Jesus that we get to participate in that brings us great joy, but in reality, that praise, that thanksgiving, that, again, that joy that, that is so far beyond. Maybe, maybe the lights and the trees and the presence point to that ultimate reality, but they aren't the reality. They aren't the center of the joy. Jesus is the center of the joy. Somebody say amen. 
comes from not just sharing Jesus, but the process of sharing in Jesus. I want to be somebody. I want to be somebody who shares in Jesus. I went to the waters of baptism, not these. There's some in temple. And he filled me up with his Holy Spirit and drove out my sin. And every day since then, plenty of stumbling along the way, make no mistakes, but I want a little more of Jesus. I want to share in him. We came to this table, and these elements were presented to you, and you were offered the opportunity to what? To share in Jesus, to make him a part of you. And I'm really glad that he didn't say, stand up in the middle of the service and say some special words and pray a prayer and then get going because Jesus is part. But he made us take something. I realize it's pitiful little compared to what it should be. But you take something. It's now rolling around in your gut. He's part of you. And you are part of him. Joy. Sharing Discovering and experiencing the joy of sharing in Jesus. First of all, again, I don't know how Mary and Joseph did it. First time parents, I know this scene. You've heard me say before, we have a new baby in the audience, and I don't want you to be, don't make too much noise, don't come up and go grab that baby, protect that baby, keep your germs away from it, all those kinds of things. But that's not how Mary did it. Maybe it's because she had that unique perspective that unlike any other child she would have, and she had more children, and unlike any of those other children that she understood, this child was a gift from God. We need to understand that Jesus as a gift rather than a possession. You know those things that you kind of hold on to, Right? Those things that you put away when the grandchildren come to the house because you don't want them broken, right? We did a lot of that over the last two weeks, just so you know. Although mine are pretty good, I don't know. That, actually, I think that's my wife being pretty good at getting all the breakable stuff out of the way before they ever got there, giving credit to the wrong people. Those things that we hold on to. This is mine, you can't have it. And to a certain extent, we need to build our church buildings with more glass. Maybe no walls at all. Be a little cold. Be really hot here. I don't know. Church and mosquitoes. What are we going to do? Because the point is, is, is we don't gather together to hold closer to our possession. We gather together to be inspired to share the gift a little more. I've been to churches where you walk out the door and there's a sign facing only the people that leave and say, you're now entering the mission field. Go and share Jesus. Whether we have that sign or not, I hope that what I say and the way we do things around here make sure that you understand that this isn't about us getting together to hold on to something. Although we want to hold on to Jesus, but maybe the best way to hold on to Jesus is to sharing with everywhere we go. Number two, the joy of sharing in Jesus comes when we're letting Jesus become the centerpiece, not one on a list. By the way, not even the number one on the list, but becomes something that's beyond the list, the centerpiece of our goals, our themes, our purposes, and our lives. 
I, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but I spend enough to know that some of you do resolutions at the turn of the new year. Lots of people do resolutions at the turn of the new year. I want to lose more weight. Somebody say amen for Alan. I want to be healthier. I want to I want to I want to be more financially sound. We're going to be doing a, a financial peace university fairly soon. But how many of us set goals that as a new year begins, as we have just celebrated the coming of Christ to save us, make a goal that our lives will be filled up with Jesus a little more. That we'll be given a sense of His presence a little more. That I will engage in habits, various habits, that will inform me of God's will and God's law and God's love. And Jesus' saving power in our lives. See, it needs to not be one on the list. It doesn't even need to be number one on the list. It needs to be the whole purpose of everything that we do. The centerpiece, the foundation, the core. Should we live healthier? Yes. Should we deal with our financials, financials in a more responsible way? Yes. Should we improve our friendships? Yes. Our family relationships? Yes. We do all of that because of Jesus. Finally, I love this. You've got to see the scene. And, and if, if I haven't portrayed it well enough for you, my apologies. You've got to see the scene. Because here is this, I don't know how young Joseph is, but Mary is quite young. This young couple standing there handing a baby or watching a baby be taken out of their arms by this old couple. One of whom proclaims, I'm ready to die that old. Let your servant depart in peace. I'm ready to go. Anna, who's at least 84 years old. We have these two extremes, both sharing in Jesus. I'm always inspired. I go to camp. I love to serve there, and I think I have some gifts for that. But one of the reasons I go to camp is because I love to see the way these kids love Jesus. I love to say high and give a hug to many of our members who obviously have to choose to be here and may need help to be here because their age has robbed them of their independence to do so. But they want to be here to praise and worship the Lord. I don't know what life stage you're in, but there are no life stages that don't have something excuse me, that aren't completely infused and filled up and made whole by Jesus. Our teenagers are going to grow up and they're going to head off into different places and there's this great temptation, oh, well, new life, my life, I get to do what I want to do and maybe God doesn't have to be part of that. Those are what the statistics say. There are those of you who raise children and they get through youth group and you're done with youth group and you're like, oh, well, well that was exhausting, can't we take a little rest? There are those of you who have careers and, and you get involved in church and, and, and your career and your work at church also seem to go hand in hand and then you get to retirement and it's like, whew! Well, I don't have to do that anymore. This picture 
of the bookends of life. And by the way, an, a sub-one-year-old baby in between them. All there honoring God, celebrating in the joy that God would give us. Because in reality, there is no real, no full joy without Jesus. And I hope that that joy is part of your life. So God has chosen to share Jesus with us. God has chosen to share Jesus with us. But it's not just a joy that we get to hold on to. Not just a joy that we get to say, look what I have. But instead, it's a joy that's intended for the whole world. You may say, my circumstances aren't such that my life can be the full expression of God's joy right now. And I would say to you that whatever struggles in this life you have, you become an even brighter witness and testimony and light to the joy of Christ when you don't let the circumstances of life determine the joy that you want to share with everyone that you encounter. So the invitation today is to come, come share in Jesus however you want to do that. But more than that, the invitation is to be one of those people who's going to go and share Jesus in whatever way and however you can. Not out of guilt or some sort of sense of I've got to, I've got to do this to check the right box. I'm going he's given me joy and I can't do anything how can I keep from singing I've got to give it to anyone that I encounter so won't you come to share in Jesus and won't you go to share him with the world stand and sing oh, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness shining
So this morning we have Mike and Vicki Wonderlick coming forward. <clears throat> Vicki's just wanting us to know that she's asking for prayers. Um, she's been diagnosed with cancer and is going to start treatments this next week. They're going to be heading up to Dallas tomorrow, correct? And then that's just to have a meeting with the surgeon, and then they're going to schedule the surgery later this week. And so we want to offer our prayers for them. I'd also, anyone that would like the opportunity, come up, surround them. Let's show them the love that we have in this congregation before we have our prayer. pray together. Father, you can see the love that this congregation has for Vicki and for Mike. And Father, we want to lift them up to you today. We'd ask that you'd give them a, a special piece of your healing power, Father, and that you would work with those that um, they're going to see, the surgeons and the doctors, and that they can find a way to eliminate the cancer that they found. Father, your blessings on them, your blessings on their family and those around them. We'd ask that you'd give them strength and give them courage, knowing that you're there, knowing that your spirit is guiding them and knowing that he's giving them that healing. Father, give us confidence in our prayer that we know you've, you've told us if we'll ask that you'll do the things that you'll ask us. And Father, we're asking here that you would heal. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the blessing of this family. Through Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you for that prayer, Robin. Uh, a couple of things on announcements. Uh, if you're a guest here, we want to once again extend our welcome to you. If you're just visiting the area and you're worshiping with us, we want to thank you for honoring us to choose to worship God with us this morning and invite you to do so anytime you're visiting the area. Uh, if you live here and you're looking for a church family, uh, we would more than like to welcome you and to our family to join us every week in worshiping and fellowshipping and serving and praising God. Uh, we have a gift for you. If you'll hold up your hand, uh, these... Young ladies, we'll have a gift for you. Okay, on the announcements, uh, family fellowship meal next uh, Sunday, February, the, uh, January, well, February, I'm way ahead, January the 12th, uh, next week, uh, we'll have our faith family fellowship that we have once a month. Uh, tonight at uh, 6 o'clock, we'll have our annual service of remembrance. So if you'll be here tonight at 6 o'clock, kind of remembering those that have uh, passed or uh, born or anyway our usual thing a uh, couple of announcements I've been asked to make uh, thank you card here it says I want to praise God for the outpouring of his great love for being with me and helping me to bear the emergency surgery that I went through I want to thank God for all the churches that visited and I truly appreciate all the beautiful cards that were sent they were a comfort to me and they brought joy to me and lifted up my spirit so a very big thank you uh, and I have love for you all. Love, Curtis Brown. Uh, 
Curtis and Willie Brown. So think, thankfully he's doing good. Uh, another please keep Pam Montgomery, Linda Hicks' sister, in your prayer. She is in ICU with heart failure. Uh, she lives in Boise, Idaho. And Frank said uh, him or Linda or both may be headed up there. So keep them in your prayers as they travel. Uh, also, Don, Don Mullins, the brother-in-law of, of uh, oh, didn't write down the name. Zane, thank you. Zane's brother-in-law is in the hospital in Albuquerque with pneumonia and uh, heart weakness. So let's remember them. Um, one more here. Uh, let me summarize this. This is uh, uh, Gayla McDougal is pr asking prayers for her granddaughter, Abby, Abby Grace. McDougal, who uh, is studying architecture architecture at A&M and will be studying abroad, doing some work, and she has chosen uh, Cairo, Egypt, and maybe doing some work in Lebanon. And anything you hear about Lebanon in the news these days is not good. So we're praying for her protection. I think that may have been put on hold due to the situation there, but just pray for uh, Gayla's granddaughter as she travels to foreign countries in her studies that God will keep her safe. Uh, are there any others that I have overlooked or any announcements? Um, as I do this over the next four weeks, I'd like to just bring some little short sermonettes regarding prayer. Uh, several years ago, I began an in-depth study of prayer. Uh, and so I'm going to try and take notes that normally would take 30 to 60 minutes to present and condense them to 30 to 60 seconds. A uh, couple of things, there's kind of four phrases, I don't know if you, uh, a prayer, uh, it can consist of praise and honoring and glorifying God. The Lord's Prayer begins with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Praising God and glorifying him. Another thing is confessing to God, confessing our weaknesses, our sins. The other is to make requests. We're pretty good at asking God for things. Uh, and the uh, fourth part is thankfulness. So today I want to concentrate on request. Um, there's a song that was made popular by Garth Brooks called Unanswered Prayers. We could have a whole conversation about this idea of unanswered prayers, okay, uh, but that's not what I want to talk about. But in there, there's a, 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 a uh, line which says, God, if you'll grant me this request, I'll never ask for anything again. That might work with your brother-in-law, okay? You know, you've had... Kids got sick, had to make some doctor visits, car broke down, auto repair bills. It's coming up the first of the month, and you're a little short on this month's rent. And you go to your brother-in-law and say, hey, could you loan me a couple of hundred bucks? If you do this, I promise to pay you back next payday, and I will never ask you for anything again. And the brother-in-law says, oh, you'll never ask to borrow my lawnmower, my tools, my four-wheeler, my boat, my fishing rod. Okay, put that in writing, sign it, and it's a deal. But God's not like that. God wants us to come to him with your request, saying, God, if you'll give me this, I'll never ask for anything again. That's a threat. God's like, oh, well, I'm not giving you that. If you want to entice God, say, God, if you give me this, I promise to ask you for a hundred things more tomorrow. God wants us to come to him with his request. Now, uh, James talks about sometimes we don't have because we ask, and when we ask, we ask amiss. I don't have time to get into that. I just want to talk about requests. So um, as I go into the prayer, I'm going to kind of concentrate on asking God for things today. And I want to focus on part of my prayer on asking God for families, to bless families. So if you would, if you join with me in prayer. Our most gracious, kind, and loving Heavenly Father, we want to approach you this morning with humbleness, with thankfulness, 
with honor, with awe. Lord, we just want to praise you for your uh, power, for your love, for your kindness, uh, for the things you've done for us. Lord, at this time, we just want to hold up those that have asked for prayers, for health issues. We want to mention by name Vicki and Don Mullins, Pam Montgomery, Curtis Brown, Abby Grace. We just ask for your blessings upon them. And Lord, there are probably everyone in this building has a name on their heart right now, themselves, a family member, a friend, a co-worker, someone that they want to hold up to you, that they want to ask uh, your blessings upon them. And we pray for all of them. And as we ask for a healing for those that are, are suffering from sickness, uh, we just ask that you would heal them. Uh, whether you use doctors and medicines or you just reach down with your hand and heal them miraculously, uh, even if you use the doctors and the medicines that you have given us, we realize those are gifts from you. The knowledge that you have given us to treat these diseases, to cure these diseases, these are your blessings that come from you. And Lord, at this time, I just want to pray to you for families. I just want to ask your blessings upon husbands and wives as they uh, try to have a relationship with each other, the kind of relationship you intended, that you would bless them with love, with harmony, uh, with understanding, that they may walk arm in arm and he help each other walk in your paths. And Lord, we realize that sometimes disagreements occur between husbands and wives. We just ask that you would bless them with the love, the understanding, the patience to hear each other, to, to work with each other and to, uh, to seek your counsel, knowing that you have provided us, just as you provide us with doctors and medicines to help heal our bodies, you have provided us with wisdom into your words, with Christian counselors, with ministers, with fellow Christians that can help them uh, mend their marriage and have the kind of relationship that you intended. And Lord, we just pray for parents as they raise up children, that you will give them wisdom, knowledge, love, patience, that they can raise the children to always walk in your paths. And Lord, we realize that sometimes in situations, Satan enters in and abusive situations occur, spousal abuse, child abuse. It may be physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse. Lord, we just ask that you would reach out, that you would, would touch those that are hurting other people, that they would be cut to their hearts, that they would fall on their knees in repentance and weeping uh, asking you to help them turn. And if they turn to us for help, that we have the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to help them turn from their sinful ways to repent and to change. And Lord, we ask for those that are being hurt, that you would give them the uh, strength and the, and the courage to not suffer in silence, but to speak out and, and be with us. If they speak out to us, that we can be there to help them, to, to intervene, to uh, help them to heal. And we, Lord, we just ask that you would help them to heal physically, help them heal emotionally, uh, help them heal, help them learn to forgive. Uh, Lord, we just ask that these uh, blessings upon our families, that they can be the units, the type of, of uh, families that you intended with loving husbands and fathers and children raised in a loving, caring home to always walk in your ways. Uh, Lord, we just ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Let's all be standing, and uh, if it's convenient, let's uh, bring our family together, so bring it on in. <laughs> shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. 
people shout.